Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I am your host, Doug Brooks, and today we are reviewing Star Wars Resistance, Episode 14, The First Order Occupation. Uh, this show is, as I said last week, into the end game. Uh, the First Order is on the Colossus. We saw them last week with just a couple of stormtroopers stationed to help Captain Doza after uh, the rescue of Tora. But in this episode, there's a greater presence, and I'm going to get into that and talk about the consequence of the First Order being there and the focus on Kaz and Sonara for this episode. Uh, before I get into that, just a couple of things. Uh, the Star Wars show returned this week, and we got a, a great episode uh, where they talked about the Galaxy of Adventures series for kids, but also they had Elijah Wood, uh, who is Jace Rucklin, on Resistance. Uh, he sat down and talked about his character, and that was really good. Uh, as I've mentioned, it, it's cool that he's been a bit of a returning character on the show. Um, he's uh, had a couple of uh, episodes where he was featured, and then one episode he was just kind of a background character, which was cool. I mean, the fact he's still there, and um, I highly recommend you listen to uh, this week's uh, Star Wars show and to see what how he feels about the character, because uh, it's not, you know, not exactly what you would expect. So it was cool to see. And also, um, they sent out some more details on the series of uh, books and comics that will involve Galaxy's Edge. Of course, the park, uh, that section of the park is opening, Disneyland in the summer, Disney World in the fall, and there is some great material coming out that I'm very excited about. First, we're getting a comic miniseries, which will be written by Ethan Sachs. Uh, that starts in April, and it'll, it will follow a, um antiquities dealer uh, named Doc Ondar, who is uh, one of the hammerhead species. Uh, I cannot remember the actual species name, but it's hammerhead from, you know, the original uh, movie. There will be a young adult uh, book called A Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova. It looks like it will be fun. It will involve um, Batu and some of the sites I'm sure we'll see at Galaxy's Edge. Now this one sounds incredible. It's Star Wars Myths and Fables, written by George Mann. And uh, there's illustrations by Grant Griffin. comes out in August. And this one, is, it's like a mythology book for Inside the Galaxy, and there's some excerpts on StarWars.com. Uh, it just looks incredible. Uh, any fan of uh, like myths and fables, well, that's the title of the book, any, any fan of stuff like that should be thrilled about uh, the possibilities here. I uh, cannot wait to get that book. The one I'm most excited about, though, uh, Delilah Dawson is back. She is writing a book called Black Spire, which is the outpost at Galaxy's Edge. Now, this takes place in the Resistance era. comes out in September. And it says it's a prequel to the experience at the park. 
But the book involves General Leia dispatching her top spy to Batuu in desperate search for resistance allies. Please let that be Vimerati. Uh, if you go on the Radio Dakar channel on um, YouTube, not YouTube, uh, iTunes and Sa- or SoundCloud, uh, you can go back and find my episode where I reviewed Phasma by Delilah Dawson and talked about all the great characters that, well, we haven't seen on the show. But I hope those characters are popping up in Black Spire. I'm very excited about that book. I will do a review uh, for that. It should be outstanding. Can't, cannot wait. <clears throat> All right, uh, let's get into uh, this episode. There's a lot to talk about here, so I will just dive right in. Uh, first of all, and it was in the trailer, and I said there was some foreshadowing with it a couple of weeks ago. The first shot we get uh, birds, not the speakles, uh, just birds flying around. We see the TIE fighter coming in, heading towards the Colossus to let you know that things have changed. It's not just, you know, the, the fowl in the, in the sky anymore. There's mechanical birds, and it means bad news for the Colossus. And then uh, we have Niku and Tam and Kaz out at lunch um, talking about the increased First Order uh, presence on the station. And I do like that they all have those food containers that, you know, Niku's probably has a Gorg in it. Um, that just must be standard, you know, thermos-type food containers for the Colossus. I, I do I do appreciate uh, its actual food, and then it's kind of a foreshadowing for um, the metaphor of food later on, which I will talk about a lot that I really liked. By the way, this episode is written by Doc Wyatt and Kevin Burke. They wrote the two uh, comic book uh, sections that were in uh, Star Wars Adventures. They wrote the platform classic. Uh, I'm going to heap praise on these guys all the time. Uh, They wrote uh, The Triple Dark, which was my favorite early episode. They just do an outstanding job. They understand these characters. They allow emotional moments with them. They allow growth. Um, They've... They've done an outstanding job as writers on the show so far. Uh, I think they probably have the best personal um, interactions we've seen. Uh, the other writers have their own strings, but th- that's where Doc and Kevin excel, I think. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. I thoroughly enjoy this episode. They, uh, they brought great depth to it. Uh, so they had the foreshadowing of the food. Now, notice... While Kaz is expressing his concern about the First Order being there, who defends them? Tam. She mentions, well, they were the ones who saved Torah. They were the ones who um, are bringing security to the station. It continues to back up my theory that she is the First Order spy that will be outed in the next few weeks. That we're, I, I will stick to that. I firmly believe that. Um... Uh, I listened to um, Sky Talkers, um, their their review of uh, the previous episode, uh, which was oh yeah, the Doza Dilemma. Um, those ladies have their own theories on who the spy is, or uh, like my friend Jonah Marie Macias mentioned, you know, is the whole spy thing a red herring? The, they got into that. They had a great discussion about it. So please check out their review of Doza Dilemma if you want those alternative views. I'm sticking with Tam. 
and uh, we see the First Order spy. Uh, First Order, well, she's a spy, I'm telling you. But the First Order stormtroopers. Um, oh, uh, and the stormtrooper squad leader was uh, voiced by Phil Lamar, uh, who always does a great job. He was in a previous episode as a side character, um, and he was on Clone Wars before as Kit Fisto. Um, so they're kind of interrogating the denizens of the Colossus, uh, asking for ID cards, uh, which, a uh, fun little factoid about the origin of the ID cards on Bucket's List. Now, I will say, if you've seen the preview for next week, you know that the ID cards will come into play later, so that was a nice little setup. Okay, so, in the first episode review, I'm back for the recruit, I mentioned that I wasn't always happy with Niku whenever he takes something literally and it causes problems for people on the station. Um, that happens here again, where he just blurts out um, Kaz's identity and where he works and all that because he thinks that's what Kaz wants. Uh, because he's so interested in the First Order that he wants to go meet them. You know, causes problems again. Um, at that, I just don't like that about Niku. It, it just bugs me. Um, now, he does redeem himself later in the episode, and what he does is very uh, brave and admirable. So it pays off, but again, his... Uh, yeah, the taking things literally does get on my... On my I'm in Earth sometimes. So I was like, Niku, just shut up. You know, I was, on, I was saying Kaz's corner on this one. <clears throat> but moving on. Um, so Captain Doze is talking to Commander Pyre again about, you know, the stormtroopers overstepping their bounds. Now, as I said, you know, there's an increased First Order presence. It's not just the two stormtroopers who were left behind in the last episode. So that implies this is, you know, a few days or weeks later. Now, I, I wonder, how closely did Doza read that agreement uh, that Pyre came up with? Uh, apparently not well, because he's not happy with the status and where they are with the First Order presence. So, you know, uh, I think Doza's just digging himself a deeper hole. Obviously, he cares about his daughter, and, you know, that's why he agreed to let the Stormtroopers on, but... Um, I still think he's going to come to a bad end, and that's just going to get out of hand for him. I did like the uh, the little scene with Yeager and Kaz in his office, and if you saw the preview, we're going to get more of that next week. You know, even though Yeager's tough on Kaz, and you know, it kind of in a fatherly way, I mean, he still understands the mission and uh, where the interaction with. Poe needs to, you know, come from their side so that they don't have the intercepted messages. And, you know, that goes... Actually, a good um, correction of something I mentioned... Oh, man, this is going back a bit. I can't even remember the episode, but when Kaz um, Skyped... Or, no, uh, FaceTimed out to... Um, uh, was trying to reach Poe, and he got... Um, uh, what is the pilot's name? Aliesto. Um, and, you know, he, like, dialed out from the Colossus. I'm like, man, you could get that signal intercepted. 
And then you know, Poe addressed that in the episode after that. So, you know, Eager, you know, he cares about Kaz and his mission as long as it doesn't, you know, interfere with the shop. But he's like, you know, wait for Poe to contact us. I mean, that, that episode with Kaz and Poe is coming up. Um, pretty soon, where we saw that we saw in the trailer, so and they're going to get they're going to be able to talk to each other. <clears throat> now, you know, moving along because there, there's a lot to get to. As I said, Kaz knows that Sonara is the spy. I mean, he figures that out. He puts all the pieces together, especially after the stormtroopers at the garage talk to him. So. Uh, you know, he has to um, go find Sonara, um, kind of track her down so he can help her out and help her escape because he knows they're coming after her. So we get to the the important side story of this episode, Opipit. And thankfully Andy Gutierrez uh, pronounced it on Bucket's List, so I know how, how to pronounce it. It's Opipit, uh, the janitor with his um, little floor buffer. He's interrogated by Dave Filoni. Guest starring as a stormtrooper. Now that was, you know, we talked about Dave playing Bo Kivo last week, and you know he's back as um, as a stormtrooper. Uh, you know, even though he's not heavily involved with the show production, it's great to see him uh, participating because I mean he came up with it, and he's uh, he's he's got his hands in so many cookie jars at Star Wars right now. It's great. When I when I start reviewing the Mandalorian, I mean I'm going to be talking about Dave a lot then too because uh, he'll, he'll be directing one of the episodes and all that. Clone Wars is coming back, of course. So D- Dave's a busy guy, but it's great to see him here. Anyway, so the stormtroopers are interrogating Opipit and they take his floor buffer. Now, I hope you have seen the Weird Al movie UHF. It came out in '89. And as Weird Al will point out, uh, it just got buried in the avalanche of great movies that summer. Uh, Batman, Ghostbusters 2, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, one of the Lethal Weapon movies, the, I think The Abyss. All those movies came out this summer and nobody saw UHF. Uh, it became like a cult classic on video. It, it's basically where Al, uh, Weird Al plays a character who um, it takes over a like small local... TV station, and has to compete. You know, he, he does it. You know, not with, not too seriously, but um, you know, he starts competing with the, the big three networks in town. And there's a character played by Michael Richards, who was Kramer on Seinfeld, named Stanley Spadowski, and he was a janitor at one of the big uh, big TV stations. And there's a scene where he gets fired, and they take his mop, and he loves that mop. He's just laying on the ground when it's being carried off, and he's like, "My mop!" And then um, Weird Al's character, you know, uh, sees him because he happened to be there, and uh, you know, kind of pities him, so he hires him to uh, be a janitor at uh, the little UHF station. And then he gives him another mop, and I, I don't, I don't want to go further than that. Um, watch the movie if you haven't seen it. It's, it's, it's hilarious. I love it. Um, but I, I immediately thought of Stanley when Opipit was going through this, and I I keep hoping, you know, there will be an episode down the line where he gets 
either his buffer back or he gets a new one. And I'm, I'm wondering, see, I don't know if Doc and Kevin were inspired by UHF or not, but I would love if it actually followed in the movie where maybe, like, Kaz gets him a temporary buffer, and, you know, that's really nice, and then he, um, near the end of the season, he finds his uh, his old buffer, the one he loves, and he gets it back, and he's all happy. Um, anyway, uh... And, uh, you know, people on Twitter have been going crazy about Opeepit, especially, and I'll talk about it later, the scene in the elevator where he's ranting to Sonara and Kaz about it, and they're being sympathetic. Oh, man, that that just paid off a great background character, and it was one of the highlights this week. Um, you know, justice for Opeepit. Get get your floor, floor buffer back, buddy. All right, moving on. <laughs> um... So, uh, I love that, you know, the whole time BBH talking to Kaz, and he sees through all of Kaz's BS. You know, he knows that Kaz has the hots for Sonara, and, you know, he, he's trying, you know, he's trying to be level-headed about it, but, you know, Kaz not having anything um, to do with it either. So, that's a great thing about a character like BB-8. It's just a bunch of beeps, but you know what he's saying because of the interaction. And that's also a testament to the writing that um, that they can have this back and forth and was very one-sided from our understanding of language. But you know that bb is just not dealing with the BS. Okay, so we get to um, Kaz catches up to Sonara after getting elbowed in the face and is trying to, you know, without coming out and saying it, explaining that I know you're the pirate spy and I need to get you off the Colossus. Um, so he makes the whole analogy about um, food that they need to get rid of and pirate food. <laughs> and it, it was just, it was really cool. And as I say, they may have foreshadowed it with the everybody getting lunch earlier. And it pays off so well at the end of the episode when Sonara is about to get in the escape pod and she tells Kaz, good luck with your food. She knows he's a spy, too. Um, that was that was a beautiful moment. Um, I think if I am proven right about Tam, I think I'll just tweet out a photo of her and put food as the caption. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, that, that, that hopefully there's a callback to that later on where they make reference to food and spies because that, that was just beautifully done and with a nice payoff. Um, also, shout out to the whole show, and it, it it was kind of demonstrated a little bit in the movies in Force Awakens: Last Jedi, but this show has really demonstrated that the First Order, especially the stormtroopers, are very competent. They seem, you know, more regimented and lethal and serious than the Imperial Stormtroopers. You know, because especially in, like, Return of the Jedi, they were played for um, for yucks and, um, you know, shown to be just not, not that great. And I mean, keep in mind, the backstory of the First Order is that they took you know, kids and recruited kids, took them from their homes, 
and when they escaped uh, Jakku during that battle, I mean, they took uh, a generation of ones who would be molded into the stormtroopers. So they've had 30 years to regiment them. Them. Wow, I, that was so southern of me. Anyway, uh, the, you know they're very regimented, and that shows in how precise and skilled they are, uh, especially on this show. So sh great job by the creators and producers to make that consistent, especially with you know the, this first order presence we have on the station now. We got to see a lot of them this weekend. It was really cool. We probably got more stormtroopers in this episode than we did in all of Last Jedi, if you think about it. Because I don't think a stormtrooper really showed up until the, um, you know, Finn and Rose were on the Supremacy. Anyway, see, I just love how they handle the First Order and the stormtroopers. Uh, they are imposing. So Kaz is trying to sneak Sonara out, and he may. And here's where you know I really didn't know where it was it was going to go. I mean, you figured she would get off the station, but the how and why was very up in the air, and that added to the how tense you know the, the last the third act was on this episode, uh, especially with how, how competent the first order stormtroopers are. You know they're going to get to them, so you know how do they get out of this? And then Kaz makes the mention, you know, get on a transport ship, get off on Takodana, and then from that point, I really thought that's where they're going to go with this, that. She'll she'll get to Takodana, and then there might be like um, a side interaction with Maz, or you know maybe she's in the background of the stuff from the Force Awakens. Um, but no, it turns out that wasn't the case. But that, you know they put that possibility in our mind um, because you thought okay that's where it's going to go because and she actually got on the transport. I do also love that her journey came full circle. And well, other than her masked appearance during uh, Triple Dark, the first time we see Sonara, you know, she's in that container, and then they get her onto the transport ship on Castellon. And you know, the the plan is to get her out. In, in a crate again onto maybe that same transport. So the imagery it, it, it bookended, and I don't know. I don't know if that was planned or, or if they you know said oh just you know let's go with how she was found and everything in that episode in um, Signal from Sector Six. But that that was beautiful. It, it came full circle uh, for her at least for that moment. But um, the imagery was very powerful. Man, there was a lot of good stuff in this episode. I, I, I mean, like, like I say, we're in the end game. We're going full speed to the season finale. I, 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 I just imagine it's going to keep getting uh, better and better. All right. Um. So you know, the alarm goes off. Um, Kaz and BB-8 are being chased by the stormtroopers. Sonara decides to not stay on the transport and she goes to help them and then we and, you know Kaz is in a dead end and I didn't even catch this on the first viewing I've seen it about three times now I love that shot where it's just like from low level and you see the stormtroopers their legs running towards Kaz and then 
Sonara is behind them. But because, you know, she's still wearing her pirate uniform or outfit, which is, you know, old Imperial stuff. So from the waist down, she's dressed as a biker scout. So you see her legs running behind the stormtroopers. And you have to remember what she's wearing because you think, oh, there's a third stormtrooper that caught up with them. No, it was her. That That's... Like I say, I didn't catch it on the first viewing. Uh, when the second one, I was like, oh yeah, there she is. And, you know, it, it's a nice payoff to um, the whole thing about the pirates being given old Imperial stuff by the First Order to equip them. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I think I could just go on and on about great stuff on this episode, and I still will. Okay, so we get more with Niku in the back of his hand thing. Um, like I say, when he takes things literally, just that, that's my that's my one critique of the episode. But after that, you know, he figure once, you know, they convince him, no, we need to sneak her off, we need her to escape, and he's like, the escape pods. And then, you know, it turns out, oh, they're they're down the low low decks. Um, I guess in the like, we still don't know exactly what the Colossus looks like if you, you know, if it's not in the water. But apparently it has very deep struts going into the uh, the coral or um, whatever's underwater. Um, so, you know, he, ha- he has the idea to uh, get her to the escape pod. And also, you know, he does redeem himself by creating the distraction and leading the stormtroopers away from Kaz and Sonara, um, you know, running as fast as he can so he's not recognized, and uh, creating the steam. So, uh, the the payoff was good. Yes, Niku did some very admirable stuff that I did like, um, so it got me past the, the literal stuff. Um, so then we get the outstanding elevator scene, which... I mean, that is such a classic gag where, you know, everything, especially, you know, the action's been so frenetic with them running and having to hide around corners, and then there they are, and just waiting to go down and down and down. And they're just standing there, you know, just looking wherever. And there's elevator music. Again, Michael Travera with background, the background music within a scene. Uh, it's tremendous. Yes, uh... I'm so glad that elevator music, and then, and then the the interaction with Opipit, and then they, they get off the elevator. I mean, this is way down in the Colossus. I mean, based on the action in the Children of Tahar, this is further down than engineering. <clears throat> so, that was really cool to see. And then um, I already mentioned uh, when. Kaz and Sonara saying their goodbyes, and um, she mentions good luck with your food. Um, uh, just, and, and they mention it on Bucket's List, the shot of the escape pod is based on uh, the escape pod at the beginning of A New Hope. But to see one launched underwater, and that's something we haven't seen on Star Wars, and it looked amazing. And then we get that shot of more of the Colossus, you know, what's underwater. Um, you know, that may come into play 
uh, whenever the sinking of the Colossus happens. We know that happens in the trailer. Uh, my guess is it's with three or less episodes to go in the season when that happens. But, you know, we might see more of what it looks like in totality. But, you know, it's very kind of a foreboding but beautiful shot to see part of it underwater and then her escape pod getting away. And then we get to see Bebo's mom, which, and I mentioned it in the Bebo episode, I think she, uh, well, maybe Bebo as well, but the, the mom definitely will show up in the season finale and help uh, repel the First Order from the station. And so, but it was nice to see um, uh, that she's she's right there and she's just watching. So she she knows what's going on. And it was it was a nice touch to see Sonara, you know, looking at her because you know she and Kaz are the ones who discovered that she was heading toward the station in Bebo. So just a nice little little reminder that she's there. And it also reminded me of, um, in the last season of Rebels, when the Bindu um, had that glance at Sabine after when she was doing her training and lightsaber fighting. Didn't, didn't, did not have to have a line of dialogue in that small scene uh, for there to be a lot of powerful foreshadowing or just interaction. So, well done there. And then when the escape pod pops up out of the water and Sonara uh, blows the hatch, comes up, uh, that was another beautiful shot where the light from inside the pod is shining up into the into the sky and then everything else is, you know, dark and blue for, you know, being at night. Um, I wonder if it's symbolism for Sonara, you know, called to the light of, um, you know, the whole thing about dark and light. Not necessarily, not, nothing to do with the Force, just, um, is it, well, I guess the best way to phrase it, she's being pulled to the light by her friendship with Kaz and her caring for the people on station, but she's going back to the pirates. Of course, they shined a lot of honor too, so that kind of ruins my uh, my thinking there, but you know, it just had that look like she's coming out of the light into the dark. Um, but there's still that pull of the light, so I'll get to that in just a second. So it wraps up with her, you know, talking to Kragen. And, and you know, she had the, inter uh, the hologram interaction with him earlier. You just wonder... Kragen, uh, I mean, yes, he wants to get her back, you know, because uh, pirate family and all that, but he he probably could have not cared if she had been caught or killed or whatever. So, um, you know, he... He is... He has been antagonistic towards her. But she, yes, she wanted to get back to them, but, you know, she does have that pull to the light, as I just mentioned. 
Um, so, you know, what's next is my big question that I came that ended the episode with. Um, what's next for the pirates? What's next for Sonora? Uh, as I said, you know, we didn't know where things were going. You know, was she going to actually get on that ship and go to Takodana? Um, would she escape and just disappear? Uh, I was a little surprised we actually saw her rescued by the pirates and have such a definitive conclusion to this episode. So we know we're, she's back with them, but just because she's back with them, you know, does she... Is she the one who, in a few episodes, convinces Kragen to... Um, lead the pirates to the Colossus to fight off the First Order? Or does she just break away and do it on her own, and then maybe Kraken has a change of heart and goes in? So there's still a lot of possibilities with the fate of the the pirates in Sonara, specifically. Um, we'll probably not see them for a couple episodes, but they, they will be back, and there will be a resolution by the end of the episode. And so... I mean, look, think about it. We've had Sonara pretty heavy in three of the first four episodes of this half of the season. So it kind of wrapped up her mini arc, um, at least for a while. But she has become such a, a dynamic character and very complicated. Um, as I mentioned last week, I'm so glad Jonah Marie talked about Sonara when she and I did the mid-season review together. Um... And, and she's become a fan favorite, and people are starting to ship her in Cass. And it, it's great that they took what you know could have been just a side character and a cool action figure, and made her this complex of a character that we all, all have come to appreciate. Uh, so that's about it. Man, there was a lot to talk about, but this such a good episode. Um, my son loved the episode. Um, he, he felt so bad for Opeepit. He was like, oh, they're being mean to him. And, um, uh, I hope he feels better. You know, he was saying stuff like that. And, um, you know, and he, he, well, he, he liked the scene with, um, Bebo's mom and Sonara. And right after this, he was like, can we go back and watch the Bebo episode again? And I still had it on my DVR. So we went back and watched it and, um, or no, he called it the one with Niku's pet. Um, so yeah he, he had a good time with it I, I enjoyed it um, can't wait till next week now uh, this is a good time to mention next week besides reviewing uh, the next episode I will also be summarizing uh, a Comic Con event uh, there is a local event um, here in Knoxville Tennessee called Fanboy Expo uh, they usually do a big convention in the summer, but sometimes they'll do uh, like uh, mini cons, uh, sometimes in uh, around Halloween. But this year, uh, they're doing one uh, this Saturday uh, in February um, in partnership with our local hockey team, the Knoxville Ice Bears. Um, so there will be, uh, the, it's called Fanboy Expo Blast Off, um, where there's going to be um, the typical convention uh, things happening, and then uh, it, it's coinciding with Star Wars Night at the Ice Bears game, so there'll be lots of cosplayers there, um, a lot of photo ops. I'll be putting all this up on my Twitter, um, you know, kind of chronicling our um, our 
adventures. I'm taking my son, the oldest one, uh, my co-host. Uh, so we're going to have a good time. What we're most excited about is that Lex Lang, Nature Von Reg himself from Resistance, is going to be at Fanboy Expo. Uh, we're going to meet him. Uh, I'm going to get an autograph. Uh, I bought an extra Von Reg figure. Uh, it's still in the box. I'm going to have him sign that. Uh, but it's going to be great to meet face-to-face -face one of the actors from Resistance. Uh, it'll be my first time doing that. Um, I've been lucky enough to have some interactions with them on social media, but uh, just the fact I'm going to get to meet one in a, a convention setting. Uh, yeah, we, we've been excited about this for a while, and it's coming up. So I will include um, a full wrap-up of our um, Star Wars experience on next week's episode. Um, so that's it for this week. Um, again, great episode by Doc and Kevin. Uh, I love where they're going with this, with the First Order and the Pirates, and the food, and everything else. Uh, can't wait to, for another exciting episode next week, and uh, some Comic-Con fun. Until next time, uh, you can find me on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Radio Dakar, R-E-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. Uh, all the episodes are loaded on iTunes and SoundCloud. Until next time, May the Force be with you.